Hello and welcome to We Random, episode 27, recording on February 19, 2021. You know, it's uh, it's starting to just barely get just a little, little bit warmer. Uh, it made me think of spring a little bit, and, and it really, you know, it made me think about planting a garden. I live in an apartment, so I can't really do that, but maybe an herb garden. I had an herb garden once, and um, it was a good time. It was a good time. I promise if you stick around, the jokes will get better. <laughs> More after this. Almost Qualified Productions. We're three beers in. Time for you to catch up. Welcome to We Random, episode 27. I'm Brian. That's Christopher. Say hello to the people, Christopher. Uh, hello, people. Now, as uh, I had said to myself, I think I would need to be three beers in to laugh at that joke. So, you know, speaking of things that are a laughing matter, uh, we send our best wishes out to Kanye West. His uh, news today that he is getting a divorce isn't great. Um, we also send best wishes out to you, all of the loyal listeners and loyal viewers of this podcast. So we're not going to talk about Kanye today, but what we are going to talk about is a... Wait, can we can we talk about Kanye's soon-to-be ex-wife? You know what I'm saying? Well, uh, okay, anyway, go on. <laughs> I mean, you can, you can talk about... You can talk about... You can spend some extra time to talk about that. <laughs> okay. Or, but, you know, in any case. So we are going to use our wonderful Wheel of Doom to let you, the loyal listener, know what topics are going to come up. We're going to give you our opinions. And then we are going to have an extra special stream-related random rankings. So, oh Christopher, now that I am not on mute and I will continue to be unmuted during this because I don't want that to happen again. Are you ready? I'm ready. I'm spinning this wheel. Let's see what we got. Let's do it. Looks like we're starting with uh, emojis aren't cool anymore. Oh, so emojis apparently aren't cool anymore. But let's figure out what this is. So in recent weeks, two internet savvy generations have been clashing in videos and comments on TikTok over the hallmarks of millennial culture that are now deemed uncool by Generation Z. That list includes skinny jeans, side parts, and the most painful of all, the popular laughing crying emoji. What the hell does Gen Z know anyway? So just to define for those who don't know, a millennial is anyone born between 1980 and 1995. Now, Gen Z is generally born between 1996 and the early 2000s. So what this um, basically article says is that for Gen Zers, the skull emoji has become a popular replacement for conveying laughter, as is the visual version of the slang phrase, I'm dead or I'm dying. Now, other suitable alternatives are the uh, loudly crying face or just writing LOL. A lot of the um, Gen Zers said that the laughing, crying emoji is bland, that not too many people their age use it, and that it is something that the old people should use because they're not going to. So what are your thoughts about this, Christopher? I mean, not a lot of people their age have a 401k either, but it doesn't mean it's a bad fucking idea, right? I mean, I think it's interesting, right? Because there's some different pieces to this. So for example... One of the things that this article mentions is that 
Older generations tend to use emojis literally, while younger generations are getting more creative in terms of how they're using emojis. And I, I mean, I think that kind of yeah, makes that's sense. that's true. Yeah, where, for sure. Where it, I, I feel like that's kind of how like the eggplant came along. Like none of us would be like, hey, look at my <laughs> eggplant, right? Like, <laughs> like that I kind mean, of I'm, stuff. I'm, I'm single. Keep, keep your opinions to yourself. Please. I mean, you were just talking about your eggplant emoji like three minutes ago when you wanted to talk about Kim Kardashian. But we move on. <laughs> and um, we are officially R-rated this week. Eh, you know, it is what it is. But. There's a lot of different things in this article that talks about like the rolling on the floor laughing emoji is no longer in vogue as well. So it's my favorite one, man. I know. Like this is just basically telling us that all of the emojis that we use are terrible. But I thought that this was interesting because it is always fun to kind of compare the preferences between generations and like i'm okay with them being like oh i don't want to use the laughing crying emoji i still use the laughing crying emoji several times a day so i'm going to keep using it but you know do you have other thoughts on this or kind of where where do you come at with this well old man man wiggum says the eggplant is the official emoji of sconzi because it's purple i mean i get that oh that's a good Um, point i mean i kind of like the idea that you know generations have different emojis they use because you know as a single guy in the dating world, sometimes you need some kind of a clue that someone might be out of your age range. Maybe that's it. Maybe if, uh, you know, if they tell me I'm not supposed to use the, the crying emoji, maybe that's maybe that's my clue that uh, she might be just a little bit too young for me. I mean, if her birthday starts with a one, she's too young for you. Let's let's start there. 18, 19. One. Yeah. 18, her 19. Age. Nope. Her age starts with a one. Yeah. Oh, OK. Well, well yeah, definitely. Definitely. <laughs> But yeah, so other thoughts on this topic or was this just a quick hitter to get us going? I think it's a quick hitter and I'm going to spin and move on to something maybe more substantial, but maybe not. All right. Hey, guess what? It's not more substantial. It's Ninja uh, again. Oh, so people are mad at Ninja again. People are always mad at at Ninja. The dude can't catch a break. So sad to be, you know, young and white and a guy and worth millions of dollars. Right. It's a shame. It is. I mean, maybe he should. N- never mind. I'm not going to go there. We have another topic that's going to cover that. So, Michelle Morrow, a podcast host and TV presenter, tweeted a sampling of the daily harassment I received from Ninja's followers. A couple weeks ago, I pointed out that his stance on not playing with women was harmful to us. He tweeted, I don't know shit, but his followers prove my point. Attached were a number of images showing hateful and abusive messages in which Ninja was referenced. The comments, attacked the presenter over her criticism of Ninja refusing to play with women. Ninja initially responded to condemn the fans, stating that nobody deserves to be harassed or have messages like that, so I'm sorry that happened. They are not true fans if they're attacking people. I never encourage any of my audience to harass people. Moro and Ninja went on and on and back and forth regarding this, with Moro saying that Ninja should act as a better role model. She also disputed his claim that the basis for the argument was based on a bad article, citing that he said himself that he would not game with women. Ninja did clarify this stance previously to say that he did not want to make his wife feel uncomfortable if he played with women, as people on the internet may start romance rumors if he were to play with women and users felt there was flirtatious content in that gaming stream. So, Christopher, give me your thoughts on this. <laughs> you know, I, I got I got surprisingly a lot of thoughts on this. Um, 
So first of all, I, I kind of make a joke about, you know, Ninja being young, white, male, and rich. But, I mean, he is all those things. Um, he Because he is a very, very popular individual, um, he's always going to be, anybody that's popular is going to be polarizing, right? To some degree or another, unless you're Mother Teresa, but I'm sure people hated her too. Um, he also has a tendency to stick his, uh, is Ninja the Pence of streamers? He might be. He also has a tendency to stick his foot in his mouth, which, you know, when you're in the public eye, that's going to happen from time to time. I get that. So all of this really stemmed, and you kind of, you covered onto it a, a little bit there, is it all stems from an article that came out years ago where he mentioned he doesn't, he doesn't play games, he doesn't stream with female streamers. And his stance was that it could cause rumors, it could cause issues between him and his, his wife and, and that type of thing. Um, he never truly kind of backed off from that. Now, there are, def there are people in the streaming sphere, in the online sphere, who are very, very much, um, you know, fighting for social justice and making sure that these things are top of mind, whether it's racism and transphobia and all these different things that we're dealing with. They really make sure that it's number one top of mind. That's what their main driving force is. And that's not the case with everybody else. And I'm not saying it needs to be or it doesn't need to be, right? I think people need to stand up for what's right. But I think you also have to look at things from his point of view, which is this is his career. This is his livelihood. And I don't think that he has, maybe, maybe that's a strong way of saying it. I think that he has a right to, to do his thing. Now, if people are being overtly racist or homophobic or just flat hateful in his, com in his chats and that, which I'm sure that they are, that I think he has an obligation to address in one way or another, whether it's silently by letting his moderators ban people or being more vocal about it. But that's his choice. That's something that he has to make a decision to do or not do. That's, that's up to him. It's kind of his world. He gets to do that. And I think the problem is there are a lot of people who scream from the mountaintops, and I'm not saying that negatively, but that's like their main, their main thing is, is fighting these fights, which I get we need to do. And so they're, I feel like they're trying to push that agenda on everybody else. And while I think me personally, I think a lot of these are incredibly important things that we do all need to fight against. I also don't know that it's necessarily your place as an individual to force that onto somebody else. If they are not overtly being against that. Like if, if, if he is, if he's in his stream talking about n person, this n person, that, and getting his, that's a different story, right? If he has a chat that is inherently toxic, and there are streamers out there whose chat is inherently toxic. In fact, there are streamers much bigger than Ninja that have incredibly toxic streams. But no one, or not the stream, but the chat. Nobody's talking about them. No one's raising that issue up, right? Ninja is kind of a poster boy, and so I think he gets roped into a, a lot of that. So do I, if I personally had a magic wand and could say, Ninja, this is what I think you should do, Yes, I think he should use his platform. He should speak out against racism and hatred and all of these different things. And he does a lot of this. He does some of it behind the scenes. He talked about that in this in this thread, again, in a way that he kind of stuck his foot in the mouth because it kind of came across as, hey, I give all this money. What more do you want me to do? But he's doing things. He is trying to do things in his own way. And it may not be perfect, but I think that people are discounting the good things that he is doing because they always just want him to do more. And I don't know if that's a hundred percent fair. I would agree with that. But the other thought that I have about this is just in terms of 
it's not like these people are taking things in his stream and saying this, or that they're specifically taking things out of his stream where like he's coming at these people and like sending them to all of these yeah. other people, right? Like these are the hateful, bigoted idiots who don't like women or minorities or whoever that they're going after and saying, Oh, well I follow Ninja and Ninja doesn't play with women and he's my role model and you suck and like all this stuff. Right. But like, he's not the one that's feeding that they have already right. been fed. They've already been bred. Like, yes, he can come out, you know, after the fact and say, Hey, I wish you guys wouldn't do that. But what more can right. he do? Like he, you know, like it, People are like, I want you to start every single stream with, I solemnly swear that I am against white privilege. Like, I no, like, I don't. And and here's the thing, too, is the way that this came about. So you're 100% right, and I I hadn't quite gotten to that point, but these are people that are doing this on their own accord, right? Ninja's not out there saying, hey, screw all these people who want equality for, you know, whatever marginalized group we're talking about today. He's not saying any of that. Right. These are people who are toxic, horrible people who happen to follow his stream or look at his stream, or maybe they know nothing about him and they just want to harp on something that are sending individually, independent of him, sending this person horrible messages. Now, these people that are sending these messages are assholes and they need to be addressed with. But part of the problem is, is, is the way that this, this woman came about was, hey, Ninja, hash, you know, at sign, let me tag Ninja. Look at what your people are doing. Like she's, she called him out as being a horrible person and helping drive this, not necessarily in that many words, but that was kind of the message she was getting across. So when you've got, you know, when you are where you are, where your reputation really is everything, that's his career. If his reputation, you know, if he gets canceled, quote unquote, his career is gone. I can understand someone getting defensive immediately. And again, he's, he's somebody who at times has stuck his foot in his mouth. Let's be honest. We're, Streamers as a whole, and I'm not saying this, not everybody is individual, but but they're not all there with doctorate degrees. You know what I'm saying? These aren't necessarily the the brightest and smartest people in the entire world. That's not to undercut them at all. I'm a streamer, you know, but I, I, people are going to react emotionally. That's that's just kind of how how that is. And and these aren't necessarily all individuals who have had that opportunity to let me take critical feedback and take a step back and and be introspective, et cetera, et cetera. Right. So I think the way that she kind of came at him and tagging him and saying, Hey, look at what your asshole people are doing. She, she pressured him to respond. And, and then that's where all the back and forth kind of happened. Right. And like, I just think about, so I'm going to go on a little bit of a tangent, but think about, remember when like that Roxy Roxanne lady sent the thing to Christian Yelich and he's like, relax, Roxanne. What if all, what if all of a sudden some rando on the internet just starts like going to women's pages and being like, relax. I'm like Christian Yelich. I get to tell you to relax. And then all of a sudden people go to Christian Yelich and be like, look at what your followers are doing. They're harassing women and da, 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 da. Christian Yelich didn't have shit to do with that. You know, like it's not Ninja's fault necessarily. If the people that follow him are idiots, if he's not riling them up, this is honestly kind of the difference between like Ninja and Donald Trump, for example, like Donald Trump is giving his followers the specific ammunition. He says, I need you to go to these Republicans. I need you to go here and take on Antifa. I need you to go here and do this. Ninja is not saying that. 
these other people are just randomly extrapolating things from what he says and like making up stuff. But I mean, that kind of goes to his point too, that like, if his followers are going to do this, you know that they're going to start some shit. If he starts streaming with a woman, they're going to be like, Oh my God, he's out here, you know, backstabbing on his wife. And we heard that they were doing this at some gaming conference. And like, he doesn't right. want that smoke because again, that's an easy way for him to get canceled. He don't need that. Yeah. I, I think it's, it's, it's really, it's a slippery slope, you know, in, in a lot of ways. Um, it's, I, I feel for the guy, right? Because whenever you are that big of a face, you're going to have opinions that come at you that are good or, or good or bad. If I, if I could give advice to Ninja, like the way that I run my stream is, you need to speak about what you're passionate about, regardless of the impact. Now, it's a whole lot easier for me to say that with my 80 followers or whatever I have than it is with Ninja, who gets, you know, 30,000 people watching every time he streams. I get like two or something. So it's, it's you know, this, this is something I do on the side. This is not my career where that's his livelihood. So it's much easier for me to say that. Um, I would love it if he came out and he, he had a very nuanced stance and said, you know what, I'm going to be incredibly vocal. I'm going to speak about things I care about. You because know, I'm sure that he cares about these things. I, I would imagine that he does. Um, I would love it if he did that. Um, but I understand that uh, he has to kind of hedge his bets to some degree. Uh, and I just, I just think that unless there's something overtly happening, like if there's something overtly happening where he's seeing people go down this slippery slope and he's not addressing it, that's a different story. That is, you need to get your people under control because you have a direct influence over them. But if right. people are taking no messages you're giving and being assholes on their own. I, I just don't know that you can blame him for that. Yeah. And especially with the, okay, I won't play with women thing. Like if he came out and was like, well, I won't play with women cause I feel like they're inferior and they're not good at gaming and blah, blah, blah. Right. Then yeah. you can pin him down for that. For him to say, yep. I'm not going to play with women because I don't want to put myself in a compromised position, whether you agree or disagree with that, he is putting that back on himself. He's saying, here's why I'm not doing this for me. Yeah, and I, I think that, to be honest, and this is a different angle, we're going to be talking about Ninja for the whole show. Um, I think another angle that is really irritating, especially women, is the fact that, and not so much now, I mean, he's still a really big name, and he could he could start people's careers in a lot of ways. Uh, but especially back when he was pulling in 100,000 people every time he streamed, you know, I personally think, and I, I am, I'm not super vested in this, but I think that in a lot of ways, he really gave a big boost to a couple of, the bigger streamers on Twitch because they were in on his streams. And I know there's two or three of them that I started following and I actually watch them more than I watch Ninja now because I stumbled upon them on, on his stream. And so I think that um, women could have, I think they, they probably do have a negative view of his approach of not playing with women because in a way he is not giving them the opportunity to feed off some of that popularity that he is giving to some of the male streamers. And I, I don't know that I could argue that. Right. All right. I'm spinning. We're done with Ninja. Yep. Thanks for the content Ninja. And we'll see you in a week or two. Uh, and as if I wasn't angry enough, the brewers are signing turds is what this uh, thing says. <laughs> well, so I think I might've renamed that. So what happened is, I think it was, I can't remember if it was John Heyman or Ken Rosenthal. Somebody was like, with spring training coming in a week, 
MLB teams are out here searching for bargains. And then all of a sudden I posted the gif of the weekend walking through the lighted hallway at the Super Bowl because <laughs> that's what David Stearns and them have been doing. So a few familiar faces have come back to the Brewers in recent days. The Brewers agreed to a one-year $2.5 million contract to bring back free agent left-hander Brett Anderson, and they've also agreed to a minor league deal with uh, Travis Shaw. We might remember Travis Shaw from the Strikeout Olympics. Um, The Brewers also recently signed former Nationals pitcher Jordan Zimmerman, and they traded for a former top prospect and outfielder Derek Fisher. So with Shaw, if he makes the club, he will get $1.5 million, and he'll have an option... He'll get another option for $1.5 million in incentives if he hits certain milestones. He can opt out of his contract on March 15th if he is not promoted to the Major League roster. Now, another interesting thing happened with the Brewers is they're following in the footsteps of the Milwaukee Bucks, who have submitted a plan to Milwaukee County to have fans. So the Bucks have currently been approved for 10% of attendance. And the Brewers are hoping to get, I think, what was it, 35%? Yeah, I think it was 35% attendance for opening day, which is April 1st. They have not received a approval or denial on that. But what are your thoughts about this in general, Christopher? Does this make you more excited, less excited, or does it make you want to have your tattoo laser removed and never watch the Brewers again? And pretty much I said that I was going to have my tattoo laser removed. And I also said I would never give this team any fucking more of my money because clearly they don't know how to fucking spend my money. So here's the thing. I'm going to get riled up because I'm so pissed about this shit. Have you ever gone to a website and you're trying to search for something, right? Let's say you go to Amazon and you search for t-shirt. Great. You get 975 million different results. So what do you do? You filter it down. Well, I only need a men's shirt. Now I need it to be this size. And I really want a blue shirt. And I want it to be this price. Well, this is what the brewers are doing in the off season. I swear they got a spreadsheet. And in this Excel spreadsheet, they've got all the free agents. And they go up and they filter the thing. And they go to batting average. And they say anything less than 150. And then they go to positions played. And they go anything more than four. And then they go to defensive fielding grade. And they go for anything 50 or low out of 100 scale. It's like they look for the worst fucking players that you could possibly find who are cheap, and that's who they sign. It is fucking disgusting. And yeah, I'm not giving them a whole lot of money every year for my season tickets, but I'm telling you, even I would be overpaying for Travis Shaw with the fucking couple hundred dollars I give him, all right? This is just, this is garbage. You forgot about the fact that they also check the spreadsheet for the minor league options tab, and they want to make sure that there's a why where it says minor league options, but it's, yeah, it's like, just, you know, they're just throwing money away and I get it. I understand. But here's the thing is, you know, right after they saw, what is it? Right after they tra- signed Travis Shaw or they signed somebody, they made this big to do about, Oh, Hey, look, we are replacing the Miller light sign with the great big, fabulous American family field sign. Great. So what you're saying is you're putting up the sign for all these extra millions and millions of dollars you're getting. And instead of using it to fucking buy a player who could maybe do something, you're signing all these pieces of shit who can't do a goddamn thing. They're basically couponing. Like basically it's like 
Remember like in the olden days before the internet where you'd like get the Sunday paper and you'd go through and you'd cut out all the coupons and then you'd have to like go to the six yep. different stores and like get all of your, you know, 15 boxes of rice aroni for, you know, $3. Like that's the brewer's approach. They're like, we want to try and put as much food in these cabinets, even if it's not like the greatest food, but at least we have lots of food. Yeah. But you know what? You know what happens? Nobody comes to your fucking dinner party. Because it's the worst fucking dinner party on the block. Because nobody wants to come and eat two fucking year old rice-a-roni. They're going to go to the neighbor's house because they're grilling out some fucking steaks. That's the problem. Ain't nobody going to want to deal with this fucking team because they're going to be garbage. I don't know. I guess I'm not feeling as negative or as pessimistic about it. Like, I... I'm I'm more so amused when people are like, we're going to sign Justin Turner and it's going to be great. And I'm like, you know, Justin Turner ain't coming here. Like we talked about it a couple of weeks ago and I was like, hey, I'd be cool with it, but I still don't think it's going to happen. And then all of a sudden the Dodgers are like, here's the Brinks truck. Beep, beep, beep. And they right. backed up the Brinks truck for him and he's back with the Dodgers. Like this is kind of the perpetual hell that the Brewers are going to be stuck in because they can basically afford that one big contract. So Braun was that big contract for a while. Yelich is going to be that big contract now for a while. And then they're just going to be backfilling with potential and prospects and, you know, people that are hoping for like bounce back seasons. And like, this is what we get. So I guess I'm not deluding myself to think that we're going to get any more than that because we I've never had any more than that in my entire lifetime as a Brewers fan. So why are they going to start now? Well, here's the thing. We've got a team two hours to the north of, of the Brewers who have basically wasted the career of one of the best people ever in his position. And here we are in Milwaukee trying to do the same fucking thing. Now, I'm not saying that Yelich is one of the best left fielders of all time, but he's fairly one of the best players in baseball if you look at what he didn't do last year. Um, and we're going to surround him with nobodies. I mean, it's just, it's, it's fucking irritating. Like, why sign the guy to a huge-ass contract if you're not going to be able to pay anybody else anything at all to have a competitive team? Now, I get it. COVID smacked the shit out of everybody last year, whole, lost a whole shit ton of money. They don't know what's going to happen this year. That plays into the 35% people can come to the stadium, which we haven't even talked about yet. Um, but yeah, the, the whole thing, it just frustrates the hell out of me. Yeah. I mean, I think, like I said, I'm just somewhat apathetic to it because this is just kind of my life now. You know, I'm just waiting for like Bozo the Clown to show up and try to pitch an inning <laughs> for us. <laughs> you know, I mean, at least that would be entertaining. So do you want to talk about the 35% thing or do we want to jump to a different topic? No, you might as well. You brought it up. I, you know, I, with my health where it is right now, I would have zero interest in going to a ball game anyway. But on top of that, I just think about 35% is a pretty big number. Um, obviously, the, the stadium is pretty big, but would you feel comfortable with somebody two seats away from you? Or would it be one seat away from you? Whatever the case may be. I, I, so I'm not worried about the seating bowl, right? Like I think about this in terms of seating bowl. Okay, so you are in an open air stadium. They can open the roof. That would require them to open the roof before July. So you know, good luck with that. But, you know, you're in an open air stadium and that stadium capacity is generally between 42 and 45,000. So if you're at 35, they're saying that they want somewhere between like 14 and 18,000. That's not bad. You can actually do reasonable social distancing with that. But my bigger concern is the getting in, getting out. Okay. So you're in a row of 18 people 
if we're thinking that's 35%, you know, there's still five, six people in that role. And then somebody's crawling over you with six beers and, you know, there's somebody behind you with this and that and the other. And then, you know, there's going to be the anti-maskers who are like, I'm not wearing my mask. I didn't pay Jesus to wear this mask. Donald Trump doesn't wear a mask. And like, you know, all of that. And it's like, that's the stuff that I don't have time for. I also don't have. You've got alcohol, you've got food, you've got all sorts of shit that's going on. Yeah, it just seems like a really bad idea. Well, and it's like the they they have a hard enough time getting people into the stadium through security you know right. prior to covid can you imagine what kind of hellscape that's going to be during covid well what are you going to do make people try to make people stand like six ten feet apart because they're not going to do it like people don't follow directions to begin with plus everyone's you know half the people are drunk going into the stadium so you know they're going to be spitting and screaming and yelling at people and it's just it's just a it, it it just doesn't sound like a good idea. I understand why they want to do it, right? They want to make money to pay all those players that, wait, they're not getting any players. Um, I mean, they're Colton I think Wong, they just need come to pay on for, now. Give them credit for Colton Wong, former Cardinal. They need to, they need to you know, pay for Atanasio's private jet or something. I don't fucking know, but I get it. I understand why they want to get people in. The financials of it make sense. I don't know that I think it's a great idea, and I certainly, at least right now, would not have much interest in being there. Yeah, like I I feel like I'm in your camp. Like I don't know how much interest I would have. I'm not necessarily opposed just based on the fact that we've seen some places make this work. You know, the Super Bowl has made it work. The some of the wrestling companies have made it work with a couple, you know, thousand. I think the 14 to 18 is a little bit ambitious. I'm probably anticipating that they might get approval for like 25%, like a 10,000 because you could spread that out pretty good. The hard part is going to be getting people in and out because people are idiots. Well, yeah. I mean, we've been at multiple games where it's just a freaking herd of people. Like you've got seven people pressed up against your body, not just near you, but like rubbing up on you. So it's just, it's, it's, it's just a bad, bad situation. So in any case, there will be baseball again soon and Christopher will not be excited and I will be fairly apathetic. So with that, should we move to our next topic? Fucking depressed now. Well, you know. uh, let's get depressed about iOS 14.5. Well, I don't know if there's anything really depressing about iOS 14.5, except it's not on my phone yet. So. <laughs> <laughs> well, you never want to be the first one to get something, you know. That's true. Except for like one million dollars. Anyway. Well, yeah, yeah, that's true. I don't know if this has been released yet or not anyway, to be honest. I haven't looked. Nope. iOS 14.5 is the next version of iOS scheduled to be released within the next month or two. While it won't, while it won't be as big of an update as iOS 15, which is expected in September, it's set to add a bunch of new features and improvements. The first feature that will be useful, you know, whenever it comes out, and then by the time it comes out, you know, that person who's paid Jesus to not wear their mask won't need it. There is mask support for Face ID if you have it. <laughs> if, 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 Christopher, you have an Apple Watch. As, oh. long, as long as your Apple Watch is unlocked, you'll be able to use... The face, you'll use the watch to verify your identity on your phone, where if you lift your phone like you were doing the face ID, the watch will ping and you'll be able to unlock your phone even if you're wearing your mask. So I got to, I'm not sure, I should have read more up on this because here's my question. Because like my, my watch has a lock on it and the watch unlocks when I unlock my phone. But now you're saying that if I'm wearing a mask, 
my phone can be locked, but I can unlock it with my watch. But if my, what if my watch is locked and my phone? I don't know. I don't know. We'll see. We'll have to see how it works in practice. It says that the watch has to be unlocked. Okay. That's what the article said. But you know, again, I'm not. I'm not a tech person, so. Yeah, I don't know. We'll see. We'll see how that works out. So the next one is you can choose a default music player of your choice. So you are no longer stuck with Apple Music as your default music player if you don't want it to be. This is intriguing because I've kind of kicked around Spotify a little bit. Like, I don't know that I would switch to them. And, you know, I've got the HomePod, so it plays all my Apple Music through there, which is kind of nice. But there's some things with, you know, Spotify is so huge that I've kind of kicked it around. But it's kind of cool that it's going to be an option. There is, and I'll, I'll skip your favorite. We'll talk about that last. <laughs> okay. Um, there is PS5 and Xbox X controller support. So you can use a PS5 or Xbox X controller for your Apple arcade games. Now that would require you to actually be able to get a PS5 or Xbox X. <laughs> well, just a controller. You could get just the controller. I'm sure they're available. That's true. And then there are crowdsourced alerts in Apple Maps, which is basically ways for Apple Maps. Which is kind of cool. You know, I kind of like Apple Maps more than I do Google Maps, but there's certain features like the the traffic stuff and all that that you get with Google Maps that you can't get with Apple Maps. And um, and then the thing with uh, with Waze, which ties into which is owned by Google, um, is that they've got like the speed traps and stuff, which I, you know, when I used to drive back and forth to Chicago every day, came in very handy. Yep. And then uh, Sconzi's favorites, App tracking transparency that requires you facebook that requires apps to get your permission before sharing your activity and data yeah so basically what this is doing is have you ever gone to a website and it's got that little thumbs up from facebook on the bottom of the website the reason why every website has that is because facebook wants to track you wherever the fuck you go and so what apple is doing is they are going to um put it in, put in this, in this update that you have to say, yes, I'm okay with being tracked. Um, and it can give you some information as to what that tracking is going to do and that type of thing. So this is a big step forward in privacy. This is also something that really, really pisses off Mark Zuckerberg. And if for no other reason other than that, this is a great thing, but it's also a big step towards privacy, which we all know that I'm super big proponent of. Yep. So based on those things in this new iOS, are you looking forward to this coming out? Uh, I mean, there's nothing super crazy about it. I like the max mask support because that is a pain in the ass. Um, and of course anything privacy related excites me. So yeah, I think it's kind of cool. We awesome. need one with new emojis though, so that we can piss off the, the Gen Zers or whatever they are. I mean, all the emojis that they get pissed off about are already in there. Yeah, but we can, we can bring new ones. We can, we can recreate the anger. We can recreate. We should just start using their emojis in ways that they don't like to use them. Anymore. I know. And then it will stimulate their, you know, their creative thinking. Cause they'll be like, Oh my God, now the old people are using the dead face. We need to find a different one. And then pretty soon they'll come all the way around. They'll start using the eggplant and then we can laugh at them. <laughs> oh, I'm sure they are using the eggplant. Anyway, <laughs> no, are we Wiggum ready for a new topic? Is, Wiggum says, when is this available? Within the next month or two. It's still in beta right now. Yep. Uh, yeah, let's spin. Uh, da, 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 Republican Party infighting. I had to change your name because it was too long. My name was too long. Oh, well. So I called this the Republican Party eating their own tail, question mark. 
So after Donald Trump was acquitted in his impeachment trial for inciting insurrection, Senate Minority Leader Mitch McConnell's Wall Street Journal op-ed stated that Trump bared moral responsibility for the events of January 6th. Trump, in a rebuttal message, called McConnell a dour, sullen, and unsmiling political hack. Trump continued, if Republican senators are going to stay with him, they will not win again. He will never do what needs to be done or what is right for our country. Where necessary and appropriate, I will back primary rivals who espouse making America great again and our policy of America first. Trump asserted that McConnell's shortcomings had contributed to the party's loss of the Senate majority, and he alluded again to the claims of election fraud. The clash between uh, the former leaders comes as the Republican Party at large grapples with the warring factions that are disagreeing whether to continue in Trump's image or forge a path away from Trump's legacy. For example, Lindsey Graham, a longtime Trump loyalist, said that while the two men together did a hell of a job, they're now at each other's throats. He said, I'm more worried about 2022 than I've ever been, and I don't want to eat our own. He continued. Sorry. Felt appropriate. He continued. What I would say to Senator McConnell is this. I know Trump can be a handful, but he is the most dominant figure in the Republican Party. We don't have a snowball's chance in hell of taking back the majority without Donald Trump. If you don't get that, you're, you're just not looking. So what are your thoughts about this, Christopher? I jumped the gun. I was looking for the end of your quote so I could play that they fucking suck. And I couldn't find it. Um, <laughs> so I have two thoughts. So first of all, this is kind of being built up to be a, oh my God, the Republican Party is falling apart which they're not going to do because they're too rich. They're too white. They're too male. And they like all of that stuff. They're too powerful. They like all that stuff too much. They're not going to do that. I think the, there's a lot of talk, right? Like Josh Hawley and all these people, they're like really strong Trump guys. And, you know, McConnell was a big, strong, well, big, strong and McConnell doesn't work, but he was, he was a big supporter of what Trump was doing, was helping him out. But now he's kind of backpedaling some. So there's like all this talk about, are they, are they just pulling themselves apart? Um, it's not going to happen, right? If there's one thing that Republicans are good at, it is getting rid of the bullshit and winning. That's, that's what they do, right? Um, they do shit when they win, but they do whatever they need to do when they win, which the Democrats could never fucking do. The interesting part about this, though, would be, the, you know, the, the, the X factor, to steal that from uh, Simon Cowell, is, is Trump. What is Trump going to do? Because he could shake shit up. I mean, there's still obviously a big push behind him from the general public. Um, I'm sure there's probably some people who still support him, at least behind closed doors. And if there's one thing that we've seen from politicians, and this is not something you can just throw only on Republicans, but we've seen that much, much more glaringly from the Republicans recently, is they are going to follow whatever that, whoever that lead horse is. They're going to follow along that lead horse because it's going to pull them towards the front, which means more power and more money and more whatever else, right? So I think that's why a lot of people follow Trump because he was leading the charge and they were they could do that without getting a bunch of their own shit, you know, they couldn't without getting the shit on them because it was all landing on Trump. And sure, they get little pieces of shit on them every now and then, but that was easy enough to clean off for the most part. Um, and then when Trump wasn't in the front anymore, now they had to wait a second. Well, now all that shit's going to hit me. 
So I think that's where you start to see people kind of funnel off a bit. So just to kind of wrap all that up, I think the Republicans will be fine. They'll do what they need to do to to win, keep winning, um, unfortunately. But the interesting thing will be Trump. And, and if he actually tries to do anything here, I don't think he will. Because I really think the only reason he did this to begin with was to line his own pocketbooks. That's all this fucking guy cares about his money. That's all he fucking cares about. Um, and maybe young girls. I don't know. But uh, I don't. I don't know that. The, I don't know that that money is going to be there the next time around. I think if he manages to escape this without getting indicted, um, I think it'd be a miracle. So I don't know that he's going to do that. But you know, there's talks of. Didn't he say he's going to start his own party or some garbage like that? That would be the interesting part. Yeah, I think that's what I was going to bring up had you not just brought it up, is that there has been talk that he might start his own party. And I think that's where some of the fracturing could come, because there are very specific, you know, senators and people who serve who are on the Trump side. And then there are folks that kind of consider themselves to be, quote unquote, true conservatives. And kind of what you're seeing is like, for example, there was someone in Kentucky who was like, we want to censure McConnell because he's not respecting Donald Trump. And like, you've seen stuff with like Ben Sass and Liz Cheney where like the party, like there are certain places where they are like truly pro Trump and these people are being censured or threatened with, you know, you need to start bowing to the man or you're not going to represent us anymore. So I think that's the part that could be real interesting. Yeah. I I don't think it's ever going to come to that. I mean, I think it'd be interesting and it would be great because it would destroy the right side, right? Like, like as it is, we're kind of like a 50, 50 country anyway. Right. Or, 5149 or 5248 like we're really really close to being evenly split on the republican democratic side for the most part like elections generally are fairly close so i i I mean if if you split the republican party they're never going to ever win anything right because everything's going to go the democratic side for the most part um but But what could happen is trump could just throw his hat in and whoever josh hawley or whoever the next presidential you know nominee is you know, he could just take a, you know, a cool five, 10, $15 million from him, hype up his base and then say, Hey, you know what, for this reason or that reason, I'm not going to be able to run, but this is the guy you should support. And now he's, you know, raising this huge, crazy, you know, wild ass base and, and putting them behind somebody who may be able to actually get elected. And now you're bringing everybody back together. It, it's interesting. It'll be interesting to see what comes of it. Yeah, like what you've just said, I think is honestly what's going to happen. And like, that's the scary part, right? Because, you know, he has a very large base, whether people want to like that or not. Like, we know that that's the truth. I mean, we say he has a big base. We can just say he has a big ass. It's okay. I mean, no shame there. All right. Well, should we we spin that nice round wheel? It's already gone. Uh, do we want to talk about Facebook and Apple again? That, that's coming up. We kind of already touched on it a little bit. I mean, it's up to you. If you want to skip it, you can, we can skip it. If you want me to read it, we'll read it. Ah, let's skip it. Wiggum says no. Wiggum says no. We'll, we'll skip it. Although it was a really good one. Uh, oh, here we go. What about this COVID long hauler? What's this all about? COVID long hauling. So there was an article that came out. So I am going to. So Caitlin Dennis, a 30 year old in Illinois, provided a perspective of someone approaching year two of living with COVID-19 symptoms. 
So in this article, the individual basically kind of recounted their experiences and kind of talked about what it's like to continue to experience different symptoms and things like that from initially receiving and having COVID. So she says, I've been sick for the last 330 days. I forced myself to keep track because otherwise time doesn't move. I used to go to sleep thinking tomorrow, tomorrow I'll start to feel better. I don't really do that as much anymore. I'm trying to come to terms with the fact that this virus isn't something I'm about to get over. This might be it. Maybe this is who I am. Doctors say that Dennis is considered a long hauler where COVID-19 takes over your body and won't go away. Doctors don't know why that is. There could be tens of thousands of people who are long haulers, but nobody really knows. The um, symptoms are generally described as a random grab bag. You reach in and you never know what you're going to get. You could get nausea, severe dizziness. You could get a migraine, joint pain. Some issues are consistent, like body aches, head-to-toe fatigue, and there are also some ones that are like ringing ears, sore ribs, heart palpitations, ear popping, numbness, mouth watering, lightheadedness, brain fog. While talking about her journey, she says, it's guilt, it's anger, and it's self-loathing. I have therapy once a week, and it helps. We've talked a lot about acceptance. I'm trying to accept that I'm not going to wake up one day feeling better. I'm trying to let go of my expectations, but there's grief in that. It feels like surrender. So this is a story that you kind of put in here. So do you want to kind of give us your spin on it or kind of what your thoughts are with it? Yeah. So the reason that the reason I put it, put that in here is very personal. So I've been open with the fact that I caught the Rona back in October. Um, I'm trying to find where that article went because it seemed to have disappeared. Um, I, I had, uh, I got, I got COVID back in, back in October. Um, and it was, it was on the mild side. So I certainly didn't, uh, didn't get it as bad as some people, right? I didn't die. So there's that. And, uh, um, I didn't have the super, super bad symptoms. I did, I did end up in the ER at one point, um, because my breathing just was not where it needed to be. Uh, my oxygen levels were way lower than they should have been. Um, I had super bad fatigue for three, four, five days, something like that. Uh, I had headaches every single day for probably a month and a half. All the all these different things that had happened, and I'm noticing that I'm still having symptoms four months later. My breathing still isn't back to where it was pre-COVID time. Um, I get a headache pretty much every single day as the day starting to wrap up. My head starts to hurt. Uh, I'm exhausted most of the time. Um, I, I've had joint pain every day since, uh, since I had COVID, my, my elbows always hurt. My shoulders always hurt. Recently, I, I talked about maybe not in on the podcast, but at least in my stream, I talked about how I, you know, I was in, uh, into the ER again recently, um, because my, my heart and my chest are doing all kinds of weird things, had the palpitations and, and all of that. So a lot of the stuff that she talked about, or that was talked about in this article is stuff that I'm dealing with too. And I made a comment um, earlier this week, I think it was, on uh, on Twitter, where you know anyone who's familiar with the spoon theory, which kind of talks about the way that people who have you know, like a permanent disability needs to how how they can look at their life and and ration the the amount of energy that they may have in a given day, right? And so the theory, just to kind of sum it up super quickly, is that you have you know spoons. So maybe maybe today you've got four spoons and you need. You know, if I, if I need to get up and 
take the garbage out. That's one of my spoons. And if I need to do the dishes, that might be another spoon. And some days you might have one spoon, some days you might have 10 spoons. But the point is that you never necessarily know each day how much energy and how much ability you're going to have to do things. And now I don't know that I need to necessarily live by that. I still don't like to think that I'm that person that is permanently disabled in one way or another. And maybe I'm not. But lately, I'll tell you, it sure as hell felt like it. And I guess, I guess, I don't, why, why do you give a shit about how I feel? I don't know why you give a shit about how I feel. Hopefully you give a shit a little bit. But I guess, I guess my message is, as we're getting uh, closer and closer to spring, closer and closer to a full year that we've been locked down in one way, shape, or form, working from home, schools closed down, et cetera. The vaccine is starting to come out slowly, but we're also seeing mutations of the disease. There's a lot of shit that's still going on. I guess this is my way of saying that the shit's real. It's super impacting to people. Yeah, some people get it. Maybe they don't even know they've got it. A lot of people are getting it dying. And then there are people like like me in the middle who we get it, but we don't, maybe maybe I'll never get completely over it. I don't know. I, like I said, I've never had an, a, a day that I haven't been in pain one way or another since I got this stupid thing. So I guess this is just another heads up as if anybody needs it, but we probably do to just stay safe and stay the fuck away from this stuff. And, you know, we still don't know exactly what all it's doing. So I guess just be safe. Yeah. And one of the things that I would say, and this is something that I've been an advocate for kind of the spoon theory for a long time. And I've always told people, you know, you don't have to be or feel as if you are disabled to use the spoon theory because all of us are different. So everybody, no matter what your ability, no matter where you are, no matter where you come from, everybody has a different amount of spoons, right? So it's always important to know what your baseline is and then be able to work from there because, you know, my spoons are different from your spoons and that's different from my wife's spoons and that's different from old man Wiggum's spoons and that's different from, you know, my goddaughter's spoons. Everybody's got different spoons and that's okay. But it's really important to kind of know where you are and to be able to act on that because really we often are always comparing ourselves to someone else or to this mythical person that we want to be when we can really only compare ourselves to who we are right now in this moment. Yep. All right. Before I spin B, is there any of these in particular that you want to make sure we talk about? Cause we're closing in, I think on time where we would want to throw a red flag before random rankings. No, because we also do, if you are unfamiliar, we have a Patreon True. segment where we do extra time. So I feel like any of these would be good for now or for our extra time segment. All right. Well, I'm going to spin. We'll do one last topic and then we'll move over to that special time. Oh, hey, this is the one that I thought maybe you would want to do. It's the blind baseball fan. This is the one that, again, for the second week in a row, the one that I was going to hold back for our patrons <laughs> is the one that we're doing now. So Rochester comes through for a blind baseball fan. Chris Matthews, a legally blind 23-year-old living in Rochester, Minnesota, put out an interesting inquiry recently. On the Facebook page Spotted in Rochester, Matthews wrote, I've got a bit of an odd question. I'm legally blind and a huge baseball fan. I'm wondering if anyone in this group knows how to pitch or knows of a place that I could go to learn, preferably for cheap, if not for free, because I'm a college kid. The Rochester community came through for Matthews. Wade Beavers, co-owner of The Yard, a Rochester softball and baseball training facility, offered Matthews five free lessons on the spot. 
Women took note of the post and told their baseball-loving boyfriends and husbands, who also reached out to Matthews. Dads offered to toss the ball with Matthews. Mitch Brown, a former Cleveland Indian minor league player, well, I guess they're they're still the Indians, they're changing their name, right? <laughs> but he read Matthews' post and offered to help. After talking on the phone, the two met. Brown had done some research, but he's never taught anyone who was blind how to pitch. He knows that vision is key to pitching, to locating the ball, and getting feedback to recalibrate throws. As a pro, Brown also knew that pitching is an exercise in critical thinking and problem solving. In the absence of vision, he would lean on Matthews' other's other faculties, hearing, touch, and heightened sense of space. So what Brown did when he met with Matthews is to help him become familiar with his surroundings. He first taught him how to march off the steps from the pitching mound to the net running along the um, pitching cage. He used a PVC pipe to kind of help him figure out the spatial awareness of where he should put his feet and how he should align his body to the plate and then how he's supposed to rotate his body during a pitch. And then once they got that down, they started a process of trial and error where Matthews would throw the ball towards the plate. After the first five throws were off the mark, Brown would tell him how far and in which direction those throws missed. Matthews suggested it would be helpful to pitch if he could hear where the ball landed. So what they did is they put a 10-foot by 6-foot blackboard behind the plate. So now, when Matthews was pitching, he could know if he hit the board or not by it giving off a thunk. After a while, the thunks became more numerous, and there were even strikes. So after this workout, Matthews said that he was pleased with his performance, and he imagined getting better in time. He also said that he was feeling like a pitcher because his arm was sore. (laughs) So Matthews talked a little bit about his baseball journey and said that his infatuation with baseball began on his ninth birthday when his parents bought him a boombox. He was introduced to the velvety tones of Bob Euchre, who became the voice of baseball for him. He said he would spend hours listening to the radio, including pregame and postgame analysis. And he said that he listened to the radio six and a half hours at a time. And he thought his parents might have been a little worried for him at some point. So something like this was really cool for me to read because as someone who is legally blind, like it's interesting to see people like get that and try to figure out like how to adapt for those things. Cause those are all things that I often think about, like, and we've kind of had these discussions too. Like you've obviously been out with me in spaces and I'm like, all right, well, how far is this? Or like, you know, what am I looking for? Like, what are my landmarks? Right? Like, It's like, oh, you know, once you get to the exit sign, then you go left and it's about, you know, 10 steps over here. And like that stuff really works because you're like, oh, well, it's somewhere in the corner. Like, I can't see the corner. (laughs) I don't know where the corner is, man. (laughs) So this was really cool for me. Do you have any particular thoughts on this one? No, I mean, blind people kind of suck. I'm kidding. I'm kidding, Chad. I'm kidding. Uh, There's two things that jump out at me um, that I think are super, super important things for everybody. Number one, someone who actually asked for help. I purposely left a silence there. Someone who asked for help. I'm sure I'm not the only person that at times struggles with asking for help for whatever it may be, your work life, your personal life, um, relationship life, whatever it may be, right? We, we all need help at times, but it's sometimes very, very difficult to ask for help. And... 
I think that's that's one really important thing here is somebody who reached out and said, hey, I've, I've got an issue I'm dealing with. I need some help. I want some help so that I can deal with it. And then the next part, which we could definitely use a whole lot more of in this in this world is people reached out to actually help. People who were selfless and said, I want to help this individual. And we need a lot more of both of those in this world, right? Like if we if we can get used to being able to ask for help when we need it, and if we could all just do a little bit more about helping individuals when they need it, uh, the world would be a hell of a much better place. So I, I love this story, not just because it's baseball, not just because it's Bob Euchre, but for the message of asking for and providing help. And thank God he didn't get introduced to baseball this year listening to Bob Euchre, because Jesus Christ, this team is not going to be one to listen to. <laughs> so Emily in the chat has asked, is that where my nickname came from as Landmark MKE? Actually, yes. I will try to give this quick story, not to derail us any further. But when uh, Christopher and I started going to baseball games and our friend Sean joined us before they went to Flav's house, I used to have to give them directions on how to get places in Milwaukee. And a lot of people will give directions by streets, but I would give directions by landmarks. So I would say, hey, you guys are going to get off the freeway at Hampton, and then you're going to turn, you know, right when you see the Hampton Inn. And like, those are the ways that I would give directions or like when we're going to the stadium. All right, you know, you're going to get off on Miller Parkway, and then you're going to go in by the KFC or the whatever, right? Like I would always use a place and not say, oh, you're going to 1503 Miller Park Way or whatever. And eventually like one day, Sean was just like, dude, your name is Landmark because you just, you just be hitting with the landmarks. So I became Landmark MKE because of that. It's a good nickname too. It is. All right. So you got anything else to add on that or is it time to move on? Oh, I think it's time for... Random rankings. So, we've had a very good day of topics. We've covered a lot, and now we are going to cover some more. So, for today's random rankings, Sconzi and I are going to do a very special draft. If you've been watching the stream, you know that Sconzi has been tinkering around with WWE 2K20. So it only makes sense that we draft our favorite professional wrestlers. Oh, so, yeah. So Sconzi and I will each pick five wrestlers we'd love to have in a scripted ass-kicking contest, or at least that we loved watching in their own scripted ass-kicking contests. I think it's, I think it's good. I think we, I'm, I'm ready for it. All right, so... Do you want to go first? Do you want me to go first? I think, well, you're the expert, so you should go first. What are we doing? Are we picking, like, let me, let me, let me, let me get some details on this. So are we just doing like our favorite wrestlers, period? Are we doing like wrestlers, like we're going to put a match together? Like what, what is, what is the basis on this? So I didn't really have a preference there. I just kind of wanted to set it up as general as possible for you. Cause I know that you're not like a super big wrestling fan. So I was just going to say, we can pick five. The other idea that I had was if these wrestlers were in your game, we could select them to fight, ah. but we're going to do favorite and why. So we'll do five, why they were the favorite and why. And what I'll do is if you pick somebody that I would have picked, I'll just pick somebody different. Okay. Okay. So we're doing top five favorite wrestlers all time and why. Yep. All right. Go for it. All right, so I have my list. I have it pulled up here. So 
I basically have two that are essentially at the top and they're both for very different reasons, but I'm going to go kind of with my childhood nostalgia. So I always will tell people and you know, my wife doesn't really watch wrestling a lot. Like when we first started, you know, dating and we got married, like she would watch it with me a little bit, but she knows that Shawn Michaels is probably my favorite wrestler of all time. Cause when Shawn Michaels would come out, she'd be like, that's the guy that you really like. Right. So when I was a kid, like I was drawn to Shawn Michaels, like he was so flamboyant and he was like, so charismatic and like, he was like the pretty boy. And I obviously can't sing his theme song cause we don't want this video to get a strike <laughs> on YouTube. But like when I was young, like he was my dude and like he aged so well. And like, you know, in the new age, people would be like, he was such a fucking dick. Like, why did you like him? But like on screen, like I loved him. Like he was so athletic, so entertaining, put on really good matches. And that is why he is my number one pick. All right. I never really got into Shawn Michaels. I guess I did a little, little, little bit later in his career, a little bit. But so I'm going to, I'm going to lead off by giving a little bit of a background on my wrestling watching background like brian's been watching wrestling forever me i watched a little bit when i was a kid you know like they had saturday morning wrestling or something so i watched a little bit back then and then uh, i really got into wcw wrestling so most of my guys are wcw guys um i really got into wcw wrestling for i don't know two or three years like when they were really really big um that's pretty much it like once in a blue moon i might see something but it just it's just not really my thing um i love the video game stuff though that's kind of cool i like the pomp and circumstance around it but the matches themselves more often than not they just put me to sleep they're boring um so if i have to go with my favorite i think the closest that i ever had to really a favorite wrestler that i was like super stoked to see be who would it be goldberg it's, it's goldberg. definitely goldberg yeah. <laughs> Even though he was trash and he couldn't wrestle, but you know, that was always my guy. So Goldberg's definitely my number one choice. I just like the fact that he was a fucking beast, right? And he just manhandled people. The fact that a spear was one of his, you know, special moves was super cool. Cause I love the shit out of the spear. Um, just everything about the whole Goldberg gimmick. I was a huge fan of. So yeah, Goldberg's definitely number one for me. Nice. Are we going to put these up on screen? Should we like put up little photos of like who these people are so that oh, the, that's uh, a good idea. We could so probably do that. So that the viewers can see them. Let me close off the wheel. Let me uh, add rankings. Boom, boom, boom. Oh, we got the old rankings on there, Chad. Hold on one second. So while you're updating that, I can give you my next pick. So like I said, I had two that were kind of towards the top of my list. Now, Shawn Michaels was my number one, and then The Rock is my number two. Now, you have to understand with The Rock, like The Rock's big kind of claim to fame was right around that time when I was in high school. And as a boy going through his high school times, you see The Rock. The Rock comes in. Everybody hates him. Everybody's like, die, Rocky, die, and you're terrible. And then all of a sudden, it turns around, and everybody loves The Rock. And he's so charismatic, and he's telling people to know the role, and he is just like the man. So like, we used to, so I'm going to tell another embarrassing story. So I played on the chess team in high school, right? And we used to... Um, 
you know, kind of do a lot of like wrestling stuff. Like we would do fake wrestling matches and like we would walk around with a boom box playing like wrestling themes and like all of that stuff. And like I was always kind of like the rock character, right? Like I was doing the people's eyebrow and I had all the, you know, if you smell and like all of that. And like, that's where all of these drops come from because like I've memorized these catchphrases and that's also why I stole the catchphrase from you. So I'm sorry, but I'm not sorry. So, (laughs) you know, (laughs) that's why I have to go with the rock because that was just part of my like upbringing as a high school kid. Yeah. Yeah, that's that's good. Um I'm really you know, like as soon as I get past number 1, I'm I'm a little bit I'm a little bit stuck. Um cuz there's just not a ton of wrestlers that I really really got crazy about and I think I'm probably going to end up going way back. Uh who do I want to go with next? Vern Gagne. I think it's got to be this guy here. It's got to be this guy here. I'm looking up a picture for you, chat. There he is. There he is. The Macho Man Randy Savage. Ooh, yeah, the Macho Man. I love the Macho Man. You know, he's just crazy. He's crazy-ass hair, super colorful. It, uh, yeah, it's all, it's, all about, it's all about the Macho Man for me. He was, and he had that super, you know, that, that diving elbow off the, Top rope, dude, dude, Macho Man was the shit. Macho Man, like in the nice, and this goes back to a conversation that we had off stream, but like Macho Man was one of those guys who had multiple gimmicks. Like he always had like the, like he had the colorful, like I'm a good guy. And then he had the, like, I'm a yeah. dick hanging out with Ted DiBiase and like, right. I'm a heel. And like when he turned on Hulk Hogan and like all of that, I still honestly remember that. So yeah, that Hulk, was super huge too. Like yeah. him and Hulk Hogan were a tag team and there was like an event in Milwaukee and like he turns on Hulk Hogan in Milwaukee. <laughs> yeah, that was legit. So yeah, that that's man. a that's a great pick. So now I am kind of looking through there was a list that we had in our doc of like the 25 greatest wrestlers and obviously they rated Macho Man number 5 so that was a good pick for you. Um I'm looking through this and I don't feel like I'm going to pick some of these people that are in like the top 10, not because I didn't like them, but just because they were not like my like favorite favorites. Like, for example, I could pick Hulk Hogan, but I liked Hulk Hogan when I was like a real little kid. I still remember crying when Hulk Hogan lost to the ultimate warrior at like (laughs) WrestleMania six or whatever that was, but I'm not going to pick Hulk Hogan. I am going to pick triple H. So triple H again, I'm an attitude era kid. So we're talking the rock. We're talking DX and triple H and Shawn Michaels. So you can kind of see how the apple doesn't fall terribly far from the tree there. If Shawn Michaels was my top guy, it makes sense that triple H is going to be my third guy. Right? So triple H is one of those guys who's had a hell of a career. Like he has had lots of injuries. He's had lots of like variations to his character. Like he came in as like this blue blood character that like everybody hated. And then all of a sudden he just kind of turned into a badass who was, you know, the game and all of this. So 
I really enjoyed his character arc. If I think about this really like a movie, right? Like his character arc throughout his career is really kind of what's drawn me to him as one of my favorite wrestlers of all time. Yeah. So here's the thing is I think anybody who's watched any of the, the wrestling stream stuff I've been doing, the thing that I love more than anything about wrestling is the entrance. Like that just, that's where the pomp and circumstance hits its ultimate high, right? Because you got the the lights and the pyro and the music and just the attitude and Triple H's entrance is like one of the best ever. Uh, it's, it's, it's definitely one of the best ever, but it's not the best ever because that probably belongs to Stone Cold. Steve oh, okay. See, I, I wasn't going to take Austin, but I'm, I'm really glad that you took him because Austin is like an icon for a generation, right? Like you just, the glass breaks, you know, yeah, everybody. Yeah. And that's the thing. That's the big thing, right? Is, uh, you know, whatever's happening in the ring, that's, that's, that's the biggest one, right? It's when somebody like breaks into a match or whatever, because it's like someone's out there and they're yapping their jaw or they're in the middle of a match you just hear the glass break and then the fucking crowd goes insane. And then he does that stupid stomp when he's like, really? <laughs> it's, dude, it's amazing. It's next level. I love it is. It. And like the whole thing about Austin too, is like the catchphrase is like, I still will use like the don't trust anybody. You know, <laughs> like, uh, like I honestly, so he is a great, great pick here. Yeah. And well, then there's, let's not, let's not forget. He flips everybody off. And he just drinks beer in the fucking ring. Like, how cool is that? Like, and and Austin was really, like, he was probably the hugest around the time that I was watching wrestling, but I was watching the other show. So it was kind of in the rock too, right? Yeah. So those are like guys that were the other guys that I wanted to watch, but never really did because I really just watched my show. So that's probably part of the reason why I like that guy so much. That's fair. So now I... I'm going to go a little bit off the board with my fourth pick. And this is going to, some people are going to say that they're going to go, what? But I've got an explanation. So I am going to go with Molly Holly as my number four pick. Oh, I want to give, okay. I, I want to give the uh, women's wrestlers they're doing this. Now, the thing that I loved about Molly Holly, number one, she was cute. I'm sorry, my wife, if you're listening to this podcast, but when I was, you know, like a 18 to 20 year old boy, I thought she was cute, but she could wrestle her fucking ass off. And like, that was back in the day where like anybody with a size triple G chest could like get in the ring for Vince McMahon. And like, all they would have to do is stand there with like pasties on their nipples. And like, that was cool for him. But like Molly Holly could actually like really like wrestle and like tell good stories and like entertain the shit out of you. Nice. I remember Molly Holly too. And I do remember sure her as a really good wrestler. I was a fan. I was a fan. All right. Um, I'm going to close the window here real quick so I can sneak this one in on you. So we have seen um, a lot of, a lot of wrestlers, Stacy Keebler, but not because she was good. That's what he's talking about when he's talking about like triple G. Well, she didn't even have a triple G chest. She just had like legs that were like eight foot long. But she had super long, really nice legs. Um, so we've seen a lot of wrestlers who have made the crossover into Hollywood. Yeah. It's like kind of a popular thing. Um, I think it's safe to say that the most popular and the most successful of those 
is the rock right i can't choose him because brian already did so i am going to choose the one that was in much better movies than the rock ever was and that's the man the myth the legend rowdy rowdy piper baby give it up for the man oh i thought you were taking dave all right i got this (laughs) no 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 rowdy rowdy piper dude this guy was such a trip and he was you know i don't know if anybody ever worked a mic better than rowdy rowdy piper like that guy is just insane on the promo i dude just everything about rowdy rowdy piper was the shit Piper was, Piper was amazing. Like he was so good. Like he really just like he, he was one of the better ones. Yeah. I would agree with you there. So now I am in a little bit of a tough spot. There's probably like 15 guys that I could pick. And <laughs> part of me is like, let's just do more of this for extra time, but I'm not going <laughs> to do maybe, that. Maybe, maybe who knows? So when I look at this list, like there's so many guys, you know, I could take Ric Flair, like Ric Flair. Everybody knows who <gasps> Ric Flair is, you know, jet flying, limousine riding, son of a gun. You know, Dude, I could take, so I could take Hogan. I could take Undertaker. One of the yeah. things, one of the things that you don't know about me, loyal listener is I at some point became kind of a contrariist where like, if everybody's like, Oh, I love the Undertaker. I'm like, I don't love the Undertaker because everybody <laughs> loves the Undertaker. Uh, like I respect all of these guys, but like they were never people that I was like, Oh, these people are my favorites. But one of my favorite people, and this is another one of those underrated ones, Mark Henry. Now, what you need to know about Mark Henry is Mark Henry came from powerlifting. One of my favorite segments that Mark Henry ever did was he put on a salmon suit, a literal Sam type in Mark Henry salmon suit, and you're going to see the salmon suit. And he did this promo where he was like, I'm a retire. And like everybody's crying and they're like, oh man, Mark Henry's retiring. And then at the end of the promo, he hits John Cena with the world's strongest slam. And he's like, I got lots left. And then he went into a promo and a few with John <laughs> Cena and it was amazing. <laughs> like, uh, and, and he also had one of the best entrance songs. Three, six mafia actually did his entrance song. So that's one that I always would use in the video game too. But I, again, can't sing it cause we don't want no content strikes. <laughs> Wiggum said he didn't like the undertaker during his bad boy era, which is funny. Cause that's the time that I did like the undertaker. Well, that's, one of the few times I, the little bit of time I watched WWE. So that kind of makes sense. Uh, I didn't write down Mark Holly for you or Mark Henry. Ah, uh, here we go. Mark Henry. All right. So now I'm also now in a difficult spot. So I'm looking at my list and uh, I think I'm, I think I'm going to lean towards the younger years my younger years because none of the newer guys, like the only newer guy that kind of jumps out at me a bit is DDP. I was pretty big on DDP. DDP was legit. Um, but I don't think I want to go DDP. I'm thinking it's between two different guys. Uh, I think I, ooh, I'm going to go with Jake the snake. I think it's okay. gotta be Jake the snake, man. Jake. Mm-hmm. 
I mean, I, mean, Jake... I, hated the sh- I hated the shit out of snakes, but I loved it when he bring that fucking snake in the ring. <laughs> That's pretty good. And like the thing about Jake, he and DDP are kind of intricately tied together because Jake has really yeah. rehabbed his life doing the DDPY and things like that. Yep. Yeah, for sure. So, you know, the thing with wrestling is I always think about wrestling as kind of this lifelong TV show. So that's why I kind of selected some of the people that I did because of the different contributions that they had throughout that lifespan. Yeah, for sure. Because well, I do think I love the idea of throwing these into the uh, the game and seeing if we can wrestle them off. But you picked a you picked a woman's wrestler, so now we can't do that. Well, hold on. Um, let me let me look at my list. So that's okay. I... We can we can we can figure it out later. But I just wanted to bring that up. And I don't know if all these guys are in there. I'd have to I think they all are. Austin have to is. Pay for them. Yeah. Well, I mean. Everybody's in there, I think, because I think Piper's in there. I think those are the ones you could buy with like the little coins or whatever. Yeah, I already picked. I already bought Macho Man and Roddy Piper, I think. And you bought Goldberg too, I think. Oh yeah, I got right. No, I think he's actually in the game. But either like way, that- anyway, we need to we need to move on. Yeah. <laughs> we got to wrap this guy up. We're already running uh, on the long side, and I'm already late for an appointment. So let's do our extra time. Another right. extra time, an extra point. We gotta, we gotta get rid of one of these extras. It's driving me nuts. Extra point time B. Take it away. Extra, extra. Read all about it. So, one of the things that I did this week is I was kind of looking back at some of my past. I actually went and I read through some of my old live journal posts. I actually recovered my logins for stuff like MySpace and Photo Bucket, and I was like looking back through all this stuff. And some of it was interesting. Some of it was like wow, it's really interesting to look and try to understand what 21-year-old Brian was thinking, right? But it also made me think about where we are today because we as people often look at people that are younger than us or different than us and we're like, what the fuck are you doing? But I think we were those people at some point. And that really makes me think about kindness and communication because what's important is that 21-year-old Brian thought that he had everything together. 21-year-old Brian put lots of things on the internet that he probably shouldn't have put on the internet, right? But, you know, all that current Brian can do is try to reach past Brian to talk to him in ways that maybe he would listen. And I think that's one of the things that we need to do with our younger generations and our people that we're trying to reach, right? Because we have things to give, but we can't give it in a way that's condescending or in a way that people aren't going to be open to receiving that information. So that's what I've got this week is as you're communicating with people and if you're feeling frustrated or if you're upset, take a step back. And think about, is there a way that you can reach this person at their age, at their maturity level, at where they're at, where they might be able to listen to you? And think about your own self. Where were you when you were at that point in your life? What would you have listened to or what would you have not? So that's what I got this week. What are your thoughts on that, Christopher? I think it's a good point. I think it's something that we uh, we should all consider. And, you know, we, we, we poked fun at the, uh, what is it, Gen Z with the the emoji thing, but you know what? People can poke fun at us for talking about fucking wrestling, right? And 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 that's kind of the thing is everyone has their own their way their own way of communicating, their own way of doing things, their own interests. Um, I wasn't actually going to feed off what you said, but now I'm going to because I didn't really have a great extra point to begin with. Um, 
you know, I grew up in a house where a lot of times it was things that you were interested in could get shit on. Um, you know, oh my God, you listen to rap music? Like, fuck do you listen to? That's garbage. That's trash. Or, my God, you're a fucking Bears fan? Like, you should be embarrassed. Hey, we still do that a little bit. But, um, you know, I can't believe you actually watch wrestling. Like, you're a grown-up. You shouldn't do that. Um, and, and maybe part of this, I think, ties into the thing, you know, this is a repeated topic that I brought up a lot, is I think some of it is about that winning attitude. I, I want to I wanna trash your your interest in rap music because my interest in classical music is so much better than yours. I'm a better person. I am a higher upstanding person. Fuck you. Um, people have different interests. You know, some people like wrestling. I don't particularly like wrestling. I like the video game, but I don't particularly care for wrestling. I, you know, a bunch of big oiled up guys rubbing up against each other is not really my idea of fun. That doesn't mean I'm better than Brian because he enjoys watching wrestling, right? It doesn't mean that uh, because old man Wiggum is a big basketball fan and I find basketball to be boring, that I'm better than he is. Doesn't matter, you know. There, there's a lot of different examples that we can come out here, and I think it. I think it's important that as a people, especially if it's not causing any harm to anybody, like let people like what the fuck they like. If people want to dress up in cosplay and go to a convention when there isn't COVID running rampant, who the fuck cares? Let them do it, right? It's not hurting you. Um, I don't know why I got on this tangent. This isn't tied to anything that I've seen or has happened in the last week or so, um, but it just kind of fed off what, what, you were, what you were saying a little bit. And, you know, whatever it is that you're into, whatever it is that you like, if it's not hurting someone else, just let your freak flag fly, baby. That's what I got. That's a good point. So we're going to let it fly by plugging our socials. If you like Twitter, you can find all of us. You can find me at LandmarkMKE on the Twitter. You can find Skonzi at Skonzi. You can find us as a promotion at AQ underscore P-R-O-D. You can find the podcast in your favorite podcast app if you search for We Random. Our home is on Anchor, but you can find us anywhere. You can find us on Facebook, Almost Qualified Productions. You can find Skonzi on Patreon if you look for Skonzi. You can find us, you know, I know that the Amazon sidewalk and all that might not be out yet, but <laughs> at least find at least find us on these social channels, you know, or you can stalk us on Facebook until your iPhone, you know, has to tell you that Facebook is stalking us. But for now, we will bid you adieu. Do you have any other kind words for the loyal listeners and the patrons, Christopher? I do not, but thank you all for hanging out and uh, look forward to seeing you next week. Night, everybody. Hi, everyone. I did my entire intro on mute because I'm using a different browser now.